follow and remain standing. Open your Bibles to the book of Malachi. Now, most people think the only thing in the book of Malachi is talking about tithes and offerings. That's not true. Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter number 1. As is our custom here, I will read out loud. You follow along with me silently, but we'll read it together. Malachi, last book in the Old Testament, chapter number 1. And we will begin reading with verse number 1. Malachi chapter number 1 and verse number 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Isaiah by Malachi. I'm sorry, to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. And I hated Esau and laid his mountains, talking about his kingdoms and stuff, and his heritage wasted for the, for the dragons in, uh, of the wilderness. Whereas Edom said, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them... Uh, the border of the wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see and they shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. Say, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech, I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, a pure offering. Now they were offering, but he said a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it. In that you say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. And say you say also, behold, what a weariness it is, exclamation point. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and ye brought that which is torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this at your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts. My name is dreadful among the heathen. I want you to look at verse number 13. 
You say also, Behold what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, that if we really chose to, we don't have to guess and make up stuff to figure out what we should or should not do. You gave us a book. In that book, if we would spend time alone with you, not an overnight quick read, but some time with you, your Holy Ghost would lead us and guide us in right thought into your word so we could understand what you're talking about. Lord, I'm very much aware, for the most part, this is talking about the Jews and what they have done towards you. But in there somewhere, it talked about the Gentiles. That would be the majority of the people in this room, if not all. I ask you, dear Lord, please, to make this clear. Help us. Give us a honest heart, one that willingly wants to do whatever God wants from us. This is what we want. So, Lord, bless me tonight, not for my sake, but for the cause of Christ and for your people's sake. Thank you for the service this morning. Thank you for the frivolity and the joy that we had with the children singing and everybody shaking hands, greeting each other. Thank you so much that we have a place out of the world where we can come and enjoy one another's company. Thank you for the freedom we still have in America so far. Watch over us now. Help us to pay attention to what you're about ready to teach us. I'm going to try. Help me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Do you ever set back? Listen to me. Do you ever set back and reflect on how good God has been to you? I mean, no purpose, no reason, just set back and think about it. Not only as individuals, but a church as a whole. Now, I don't go out and visit a lot, but I'm very much aware of what's going on in many churches today. It's sad, very, very sad. You can walk into a church and sit down and nobody will shake your hand. You can walk into a church and actually it feels like walking into an icebox. It's cold, it's indifferent, almost like, who are you, what are you doing here? That bothers me a great deal. When I consider what we have here at the Anchor Baptist Church, how the lost, how lost and undone, do you remember, would you reflect with me a little bit and remember how lost and undone you were without Christ? Now on purpose, think back. Think about those days. I don't care if you were saved when you were four. I want you to think back to that great day. Think back to that great day and, and how God, you came from nothing and God gave you everything. Do you remember? Do you remember? No, don't just say, yeah, no, think. Think with me. Think on purpose. What really took place on that great day in your life and what the Lord did? How Satan and the world used you. Do you remember that? Now, if you were four, I don't think the world used you a whole lot yet. But many of us were saved later on in life. I look around this room, I see people that were saved from a life of sin. Do you remember what the devil did to you? What the world did to you? Do you remember what your own ways did to you? How it ruined you? And when you were down and out, the devil just kicked you and knocked you off to the side. And most of us thought, well, there's no way we're going to get out of this. It's over with. Our life is coming to an end. Do you remember? All I'm asking you to do is try to remember. You can't just keep going forward. You've got to remember certain things that God did in your life. Remember the first time some crazy Christian tried to tell you about Jesus? 
that crazy Christian for me was my own brother. And that's what I thought. I told him, I said, Bill, don't bother me with that. I got things going on. To me, that's something he needed. That wasn't something I needed. But we all know it's something the whole world needs. We know that now. Then one day, even though these crazy Christians kept trying to talk to us and give us tracts, one day, God got through to us. One day, whether it was in church or at home or on the job, whether it was by track or somebody witnessing to you, there you were and felt conviction by the Holy Ghost of God. Somebody told you certain words in the Bible about Jesus Christ and how much he loved you. All these great things that he did for us showed us Christ, showed us our need of Christ, brought us to him. But in all of that, seriously, what in the world could we possibly offer him for what he was getting ready to do for us? What, what did we have in return that we could possibly give him to say thank you? What could we give him to buy it, to earn it, to pay for it? What was it that we had for taking our place on Calvary? I preached about this two or three times when I was in Pakistan about Calvary and Jesus and what all he went through to the people there. And one night, uh, we, I actually had an opportunity to preach to over 500 people at one time. And if I understood right, over there, they don't raise hands. I didn't know that till later on. One of my interpreters came to me and said, Pastor Bell, we don't, we don't ask them to raise their hand. They don't do that over there. I said, okay, I'm sorry. You know what they do? They stand up. Yeah, there's no raising of the hand. You stand up in the middle of the congregation if you're receiving Christ as Savior. You stand up. Now, the women don't in, in the one village that we were in. And we asked them why. Here's what they said. Listen to this very carefully. They don't stand up unless their husband has permitted them to. Write that down. We may have to add that to it. Do you remember? Do you remember? What, what, what could we offer him? Really, a sinful past? Our great talents? Is this what we're going to offer them? Our rotten works? Are these the things we can offer him for this great gift that he gave to us one day? Our influence, our strength, our money. Well, maybe we can offer him money. Like God needs our money. Our cussing tongue, perhaps. Our abused bodies, our broken families, our confused minds. What was it that you could offer him that caused him to seek you out and to say, why you instead of somebody else? Why you instead of that other family member? Why you instead of your neighbor? You ever think about that? Awful privileged, aren't we? What God has done for us. What could we offer him? You ready for this? Nothing. We were all empty vessels and had nothing to give him. Nothing. We were all bankrupt. Everyone, I don't care if you were saved at four or you were saved at 34, you were an empty vessel and had nothing to give to Jesus Christ in return for the great things he did for you. Actually, your very best day, the Bible said all of your righteousnesses, uh, at your very best works, are as filthy rags. In reference to filthy rags, he's talking about leprous, pussy, hardened, crusty rags they would leave on walls. That's your best day. But we think awful high of ourselves, do we not? Remember how you felt and the way you viewed you that day? Do you remember that? I still remember. I don't know why other people look at me. Oh, let me think. It didn't take me that long, that long, that long to know how I felt, where it took place, what happened, what I heard, what happened. After. I remember all of that. It baffles me how some, so great a salvation the Bible talks about, how we don't remember stuff. It's just bad. I don't understand that. I don't understand it at all. 
Well, I don't remember the day or the time or exactly where it took place. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not sure you're saved. How can the greatest thing that ever took place in anybody's life, you're not even sure other than, oh, no, I'm sure I'm saved. That'd be like me walking this way, turn around and walk this way and say, I don't remember when that happened. It just not happened. I just turned. Very fresh in my mind. But I rehearse these things in my mind all the time. God in his mercy and grace reached down in the gutter. I don't care if you're raised in a Christian home. You need to be saved. You're not, not so bad because you go to a Christian home. We're all sinful by nature. You may not have been as bad as I am, but you were as bad off as I was. You can't get any worse off than going to hell. And all of us were headed that way. Saved us from sure destruction and punishment. Took those who had nothing to give and gave us everything. So when I tell you, has the Lord been good to you? Has he not been good to our church? Just stop and think. We have nothing we could offer him. Nothing we could give him. Nothing we could pay him. Nothing we could say, okay, how about a trade? Nothing. Nothing at all. He gave us everything, and we gave him nothing in return but a broken, ruined, empty, sinful vessel. That's all that we were, and boy, did he turn things around. God has been so good to the Anchor Baptist Church. Uh, when uh, being over there in Pakistan and other places that we've gone to, it makes you think of how blessed you really are. This is why you'll hear all the time, you ought to try to go to at least, at least one missions field somewhere. Not on vacation. Yeah, we're, we're going to Pakistan, but we're staying at the, at the Hilton. As a matter of fact, I don't think they have one. In case they did, that's where you'd say, oh, yeah, I've been to Pakistan. Where'd you go? My company sent me all expenses paid, right? That's not what I'm talking about. America is so blessed, we don't even realize it anymore. Matter of fact, we're so blessed, we even forget to thank God for it. We actually forget to thank him for everything he has done. To most of us, on top of salvation, I tell you this all the time. I can't believe he would save me to begin with. And stop and think about that. You? you now, you, some of you think like this. Well, you had to. So you just write it off that way? Not me, buddy. He chose to do that for me. He chose to do that for me. And not only that, after he saved me, he turned around and said, I'd like for you to work with me. Who would have ever thought that would have happened? But our Savior did that for us and for me. Daily he began to load. As soon as you got saved, he immediately began to load every day with benefits for you. Benefits like when you went home. Pay attention to me now. Benefits like when you went home. One of the first things that captured my attention was the peace of God. Now, I'm not kidding you. It scared me almost. It was so real. I didn't know what. And then the love of God. And then all the great things God began, the kindness and the joy, put your marriage together, took your house and turned it into a home. Took your house and turned it into a home. I'm looking around this room right now. Some of you, your marriage was on the rock. You weren't doing real hot. I'm not saying that to hold it in front of you. I'm saying, look what God did for you. And you need to go back and rehearse that in your mind and say, thank God for what he did for me. He daily began to load us with all these Christian friends. There is a time in your life, if you're an older person, you get saved and all your old friends, you don't have to run them off. They'll leave you. All you got to do is talk about the Lord. Okay, You don't have to say, I'm better than you. I hate you and I'm a Christian. You don't have to do that. We get accused of that, but I've never done that for my life. All you got to do is talk to them about Jesus. They'll leave you alone. When you go to work, oh, preacher, what do I do? These people keep questioning me at work. Carry a big black Bible. Quit getting used to 
reading the Bible on your phone. You know what they think you're doing? Googling. They think you're on there just checking out people that are sending you notes and stuff. So no, I was reading my Bible. How would I know that? That's like a person get up on a Sunday morning, you got a polo shirt on, a pair of shorts on, a pair of flip-flops. How are they supposed to know you're going to church? Meddling. I'm meddling now, aren't I? Okay, now watch here very carefully here. You have to understand here, some he even, I think, miraculously healed. Sin was destroying your body. You turned to God and said, God, I have nothing to offer you. Please save me. And he did. And now your health has turned around. He gave you strength and grace and helped you to get through those tough times. How good. I'm trying to get you to understand how good God has been to us. I can't make you think. You have got to on purpose think. You got on purpose. Think how good God has been to me from the day I got saved. Actually, before that, you just didn't recognize it. There are people out in the world right now that aren't even saved. They're breathing His air. He didn't kill them. They have peace in their home, and God gave them that right now. It's a worldly peace, but still peace in their home. God did all these things for them. They're not even His children. God is very, very good to many. He had much work to do. I'll raise my hand on that one. He had a lot of work to do. Break the desires of booze in some of our lives. That's not easy. By the way, I'm not for a 12-step program, a 34-step program, or a two-step program. I am for a come-to-Christ program. And if you're sincere in that, that desire, we need to quit listening to the world. We're listening to the world way too much as though our God can no longer do miraculous things and take sinful things from you. He's released many, their mind and body controlled by drugs that was damning their life. The devil has clouded their mind to where they cannot think and they cannot function. And the devil would prefer to keep them that way all the rest of their life until they die. Thank the Lord our government said, you know something, if we'll just legalize marijuana, that way people won't fight and steal and kill each other over it. I can't believe how stupid our government has become. Freed us from pornographic filth which enslaves much of the world anyway and don't act like it doesn't even among Christian men and women a large percentage are hooked on pornography first of all I don't know how that who would admit that oh yeah we're taking a survey yeah that's me who does that how do, how do they even know that kind of stuff was that preacher squilling on his people yeah I've got 32 people in my church that, how do they know this stuff but I believe it's true can you still remember? Has it been so long you had to actually blow off the dust of your thought to even remember? Yeah, God has been good to me, hasn't he? What do you mean, yeah, God has been good to me, hasn't he? Like you're shocked. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Okay. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. God has been so good to us. Look where you're sitting right now. Look at the people around you. Feel the atmosphere that God has built right here. Look at the souls that have been saved. Look at the little children that are growing up here. Now, I hate to say this. In most churches, a bunch of Q-tips sitting around in the church somewhere hoping to stop breathing before long. Q-tips, get it, white-haired people. Okay, you'll get it. Q-tips, what are you talking about? But look at your church. Most are 45 and down. I mean, come on. Look at all these little kids here. Now, you have to admit, this little choir I was impressed with. Until Kenny forgot the words and misled those kids. Where's, where's Kenny at? 
Kenny misled him. Kenny's face was turning red. You didn't see that part. Kenny's face was turning red. He looked over at me, and he looked right back. I don't want to see the preacher right now. <laughs> you did good, Kenny. Have we put it out of our minds so quickly as if to say, listen to me, as if to say, what's the big deal? This happens all the time. Is that what's come down to it? We've been around so many Christians and so many people getting saved. What's the big deal? It happens all the time. That's it. In Psalm chapter number 8, verse number 3 through 9, it says this. When I consider the heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars thou hast, that thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now you stop and think about that. Why does God even pay attention to us? And then he goes on and he says, and the son of man that thou should visit us him. God, why do you even visit us? Why do you even come down here? Why do you even pay attention? But see, we, we act like this is a, you know, it's like uh, with our government. You owe me. No, God did all this of his own free will because he loves us. He said, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory. Talking about us. God did this for us. And then he goes on and says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. In all the earth. Why does it take us? I have to buoy you up in the spirit. You have to think about it for a couple of days before you can start to praise God and sing songs to him and start thinking, yeah, you know, God has been good to us. This is what happened to Israel. God is so great and so powerful. He is due honor whether you feel it or not. See, the problem we're having is we're turning into charismatic people. We amen when we really start to feel it. I'm sorry, my Bible tells me we're supposed to come through those gates right there with singing and praise on our lips to God. He didn't say, now look, when you get all buoyed up and feel like it, give it a shout. That's not what it says at all. He deserves the praise. He deserves the honor. He deserves the singing. He deserves these things. So I need to come in here prepared to give him what he deserves. He deserves the best of our flocks. He deserves the best of our grains. Follow my thinking now. He deserves the best sacrifices, the best offerings, the best loyalty, the best faithfulness. He who saved us from everything deserves everything that we have. He saved us from everything. You weren't doing good in some areas. You were on your way to hell. You understand that? We weren't, well, it wasn't so bad in this area. Let me tell you how bad off you were. You were going to hell without Christ. Had he not stepped into your life and led you to him by his word and the Holy Spirit of God through some Christian, if you died, you'd be in hell right now. These people in Malachi chapter number one had actually forgotten how much God loved them and cared for them. That's so hard to believe. How could you forget that? Ladies and gentlemen, how could we forget that? How could we forget how blessed we are as individuals and as a people? When we begin to forget what we were, how God found us, what he did for us, the automatic thing to do next is to not to thank God for anything. I mean, why should we? What's he really done for us lately? Lately? I, okay, quiz. You ready? How many of you, just think with me, those of you who went to public school, pay attention. How many of you are breathing? <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Let's see. What's he mean by that? <sighs> breathing. You know, breathing. How many of you walked in here of your own accord? 
So you have legs God gave you. You said, but I have a tough time breathing. You're breathing. You're breathing. Do you know who did that for you? God did that. We were in Ghana, right? The guy was on that crutch. No, 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 Pakistan. There was a guy there, an older guy. He was a, he was a, he was a Muslim. And a lady got saved in this village. You'll, you'll hear more about this. But a lady got saved in this village and then took Christ into the village. And won everybody to the Lord. When the preacher showed up, she was telling them all that had taken place except this one man, older man, scruffy beard. You know how Muslims are. And uh, hair was everywhere. And the trouble is, he was on a crutch, and he had built a seat on that crutch. On that crutch. It's, it's just like a little paddle And he, because he only had one leg. I'm not making this not a joke. It's, it's a true story. Uh, there's this guy who had one leg. This isn't a joke. It's really happened. And he was set on there like this. The preacher came back two weeks later. The man told him when he was first there, I'm just not ready. He listened to the whole thing. When I preached to 500, they already told me about 20% of these people may be Christians or go to church here already. 80% of them be Muslims and sinners that don't believe in Christ. They just come to listen. But this old man got saved. And when the preacher came back two weeks later, he walked up to the preacher and said, I'm ready now. And God saved. Now, the preacher there, listen to me carefully, American, free will, do whatever you want to. I said, I noticed something in this village. None of the men have beards. He said, oh, no, I tell them, when you get saved, you need to clean up. It's just a thought. I, I hate shave as much as the next guy. But they just said, oh, okay, and they shaved. Even the Muslim did. When we were there, he hugging people, thanking people. He's so happy to be there. You see what happens? You don't need to live a life like that to be thankful. But quit thinking about things like, well, no, things haven't been that bad. You were on your way to hell. And then you got saved and God put you in a place like this and gave you the wife or husband you've got. Okay, maybe the blessing stopped there. But you understand what I'm trying to say to you now? All these things, they become so unthankful. So unthankful that they would give things, they would give things to God they wouldn't even give to a person in public office. If you had a governor, would he accept that at your hand? And you expect God to accept what you offer him? After all he's done, after everything he did. Now he's talking to Israel, and you know Israel's history, where they come from, how they started with Abraham, father of the faithful, and then Moses, and the whole uh, Exodus thing, and all that, and the promised land, all that other kind of stuff. Now we get to the place, they don't even thank God. They say, when, when, did, when, did we, when did we not care anymore? When did we not love you? When did we uh, uh, scorn what you told us? When did we do it? They don't even remember anymore. When God makes a statement, it's because it's true. We do this not because of what we say, but in so many actions. It's what we're doing. I want you to go to verse number 6 and 8. Malachi, verse number 6. A son honoreth his father. Now he's telling you what should happen. A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where's my fear? 
saith the Lord of hosts unto you. Oh, look, 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 priests. These are people who lead people to God. And teach me about that for a minute. This is what's happening to preachers in America. You say, wherein have we despised thy name? They're not even catching on. I don't get it. When, when, did we despise, when did we say we despise your name? It's not so much what we say. It's our actions that are saying these things. Watch. Ye have polluted bread upon my altar. You offered polluted bread. you got stuff over there that's as, as hard as the top of this table. It's not fresh. And you say, okay, we don't need it anyway. Put that up there. You, you're offering polluted bread? You're giving me what you wouldn't offer a governor if he showed up? You're expecting me to accept this kind of offering and work from you after all that I did for you? Look at verse number 7. Ye offered polluted bread upon my altar and say, Wherein have we polluted it? In that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Watch, watch. And if ye offer the blind for, for sacrifice, is it not evil? See, they weren't allowed to do that. When you gave an offering, it had to be the best. Watch what he says. And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. If he showed up, give it to him. You wouldn't do that because he wouldn't accept it. You know that. So what are we talking about here? If a real governor were to be in our services this next month, but we'd start painting now, cleaning carpets, practicing songs, making sure all the music was just right. I mean, we go all out. Are you kidding me? A governor's coming to our church. Are you, folks, we got to get this thing organized here. we got to get this thing cleaned up. He is a human being. And by the way, he ought, we ought to show him respect and honor because of his position. But now let's just jump from his position to God. You're, we're, if we're not careful, we're offering God things that a governor a person in public office a, has a position, would not accept it. And yet we offer these things to God. It just should not happen that way. These people were getting to the point. They did not honor the Lord. They did not serve the Lord, nor did they fear the Lord as much as they would another human being. I've had some of you come up here, preacher, my brother's coming to church next week. I know what you do. You start praying. You hope everything goes right. You hope I don't preach on Catholics or Charismatics. I got that part. And you're hoping that everything goes right so there'll be conviction and they'll get saved. So let me get this right. A human being is showing up here, and you're going to offer your very best for them. And by the way, you should. That's not the point. The point is they're God Almighty. What are we giving to him? We're giving him things that a that what we offered to him, if we were to offer it to your mom when she showed up or your brother when he showed up or your, your, your boss if he shows up, they wouldn't accept it. What is this? It's broken. You wouldn't accept that. Yet we offer these kinds of things to God. Is not our Lord and Savior, our great God we serve, worth at least that which we would offer and honor to a governor? Shouldn't he at least get that? He's worth much, much more than that. Have we drifted so far in spirit, so blinded in spiritual in spirituality, which once meant so much to us? You remember when you first got saved? And you came to Anchor Baptist Church? I can't speak for other Baptist churches you went to. And you walked in. I remember the first day I was saved and went back to church. The first time I went there, I wasn't saved. When I left from there, I was so confused, like turned my yo-yo. I was like, man, what is going on? 
But the next time I went, the more I went, the more I fell in love with it. I couldn't believe it. I thought everybody in church were such nice people. I know better now. But that's what I thought when I first got saved. All right, That's quite a shock, by the way, when you were... People in church, folks, listen to me. We're not angels and we're not rogue. We're human beings trying to live right. Amen. It's hard to do in a world like this, but it can be done. It needs to be done. What many of us are offering the Lord is so far from what we would give to a human being in a position. And yet somehow we want God to accept us. And God said, uh-uh, I despise that. He said, you give me an offering but I don't want it. So I'll ask you a question. What God offers you, you now despise? What God offers you, you now despise? Look at verse number six, the latter part there. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? Verse number seven. Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. In your service, you're offering me things I told you should not be. I told you this is what I want, and you've given this anyway. Wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. When God first saved us, we were so thankful. I still remember. I'm sorry if you don't. I really am. I feel so sorry for you if you cannot remember how you felt, when it took place, what all was starting to happen. I, I, I don't understand that. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to act ignorant. I do not understand someone who says, I think I'm saved. I just don't remember when or where or what took place. I'm not trying to talk you into being lost. I'm trying to help you to make sure you're really saved. Do you remember? Do you remember how good God is? One day God actually gave you an opportunity to serve him. Was that not an exciting day? You were just coming to church and couldn't believe they'd let you in. Well, now today, I'm well, I can go any place I want to. That's called pride. That's sin. You can repent of that. I didn't think I deserved to be in there. I bowed my head and said, I can't believe I'm in here. Folks, drug addicts are not good people. They cannot be trusted. I don't care if they're your kids or your mother. They cannot be. Look at me and listen to me. They cannot be trusted. It doesn't make any difference how much you love them. They are bent on taking that garbage, and they'll do anything to do it. At least that's what my wife told me. So no, that's what Karen. Do you remember the first time the preacher or somebody said, hey, you want to help around here? Remember that? Okay, some of you have never asked that yet. You remember that? And they said, well, you can uh, help clean the bathrooms. Yeah, that'd be fine. Sure, whatever. Remember that? Remember how innocent and clean everything was? Oh, you couldn't believe. Now we pick and choose. Ah, preach, I'm a little busy to be doing that, you know. I have great talent, though. I've been to college, and yeah, I'm pretty smart about a lot of things, preacher. If you could use me, I can't use you. Just to clean, to be a mechanic. By the way, I still am so thankful for you, Karen, because that very weekend we had a good day on buses. If one of them wasn't rolling, I don't know what would have happened, so I thank you very, very much for that. But do you remember that? Somebody said, hey, you want to help paint? Now, I asked Brother Usher to do that one time. And when I saw the way he painted, I said, ah, maybe that's not your talent. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> oh, I had a lot to learn. Anyway. But even though you may not be expert at everything, you just love being a part of it. Do you remember that? Do you remember?
remember it wasn't about how much you're being used, but I want to be used. Do you remember that at all? Now, this isn't very deep, but I'm headed somewhere. Listen to me very, very carefully. You would laugh and sing while you were cleaning the bathrooms, while you were painting a wall, while you were mowing the grass, while you were shoveling the snow. You just couldn't believe it. Not only am I saved, <laughs> look what I get to do. This is great. You remember that? You couldn't believe they allowed you into a place like this, but here you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know how blessed you really are? Have you already forgotten? And so therefore, what God has asked you to perform for him has become somewhat contemptible? That you no longer care anymore? You laugh and sing? You remember those things? Your attitude during the work for the Lord. Amazing. You go by there, and there you are cleaning out a sewer or something. You're going like, ain't God good, preacher? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir, he is, boy, I'm telling you. You remember that? You didn't care. You were saved. You're being used of God. You couldn't believe that. Do you understand what was going on? You know what happened? We were in love. We weren't just serving somebody. We were in love and serving somebody because he first loved us. See, we're losing our spirit of Christianity because we do not fully appreciate what God gave us and allowed us to be a part of. We're not thinking about it the way we should. We had this service. We couldn't wait to show the Lord and do something for him. Just to sing in the congregation. I've sung in some of the biggest congregations probably ever in the United States. I've sung in congregations where there were 10, 15,000 and more. And I didn't even know if I could sing. And I'm just standing there. I remember standing down at Tennessee Temple on their one floor. I think there was five to 7,000 on one floor. And it went like this and spread out like that all the way around. And I remember standing there in the middle singing to the top of my lungs, which I think everybody should. And nobody could hear me. It was great. So whether I hit the note or not, boy, was I singing joyfully, though. I knew that. My, whether I was in tune or not, can't promise that. But I was having the time of my life. You know why? I was saved. And when they said, let's all stand and sing. Everybody get a book. Is that your attitude towards God? That we don't sing? We don't praise the Lord? Ladies and gentlemen, we're missing out. God has offered us this. And what are we giving him in return for what he has done for us? So what happens here is, why don't you serve the Lord? Why don't you, when he says, okay, let's all stand. Let's all get a book and sing. By the way, if your kids do that, slap them. Don't let them look and act the way they want. What are you doing here? This, this, is, this is a dictatorship. This is not a monopoly. This is not a, uh, we don't vote on these things here. Is this the way we used to serve the Lord when you first got saved? Let's all stand and sing. Yeah, but what if I don't do that? You didn't, if you're truly saved, you didn't act that way. So now all of a sudden, what are we saying by our actions and our giving back and offering to God our voice, our life? It's kind of lost its flavor. It's not what it used to be. And I can tell you why too, and I will here in just a moment. Should God accept this? Should God, what we offer him when we could offer better, and we know we can. Should God accept what we're giving him? 
Should God be pleased with what we're offering? Number two, I gotta hurry. What you offer God, you wouldn't offer another person of honor. Look at verse number eight. <coughs> if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? Yes, it is. It's rhetorical. If you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Yes, it is. Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord? He's, what he's saying is he wouldn't accept it. You want me to accept it? Now, we know when we're offering God less than our best. Everybody in here does. We all do. Will we offer better service, healthier service, more honored service to human preachers when they show up here than we do every week? Because it's the God that has blessed us. You know, preachers show up here, we invite them here. They don't live here. We do. God built this place and put us here. They stop by, you know, we worship, and, you know, I sign my Bible. You know, can you, can you, you know, sign this dollar bill for me, please? I want to put it in a frame. You know, we do all these things. I'm not saying necessarily some of that's wrong. But God is here every week. People get saved. Buses are full. Children are coming forward. Singing is going out. Should we offer because nobody special is showing up this week? I always like when the person goes, like, anything special going on at church? Yeah, church. Okay, ready? Here. Yeah, preacher's going to dance this week. Okay, that's in the spirit, so it's okay. Would you show up for that? What if I spoke in tongues? I am right now, English. But if I said, in an unknown tongue, ooh, preacher, the unknown. You don't even know what that means. Unknown means a language that's unknown. Now you're thoroughly confused. I shouldn't have gone there right now. What you offer God, you wouldn't offer another person of honor. When your mother shows up, your brother, visitors, etc., you offer the best service to them. You're hoping, I've talked to you before, preacher, my mom's coming. She goes to the Catholic Church. I know what you're telling me right there. Don't mess it up, okay? I really want her to come here. So I happen to, it just slips out, I preach on Catholics. Then you get upset because your mother-in-law got upset. And you want me to change because she didn't like it. She's not saved. She's not supposed to like it. It didn't even bother you when I mentioned Catholics. You know something? You'd be on the sidelines when Elijah was making fun of those people on that altar, and you'd be going, like, I just don't think y'all do that. That would be you back in the day. You'd be throwing stones at him saying, that's not very nice. Then why did God allow him to do it? I'm not just talking about being cruel. Come on. You know, just Catholics are wrong. It's just that simple. Now, There's nothing that they do that's according to the Bible. There are no beads in the Bible. No crucifixes in the Bible. No Mother Mary in the Bible. The Queen of Heaven is mentioned only in the book of Jeremiah, and she is a false worship idol. Now, I hate to bring up the Bible and all this, but we are in church, so we'll talk about that, okay? You offer up your best in service to them when they show up. But when our main guest, Jesus, shows up, every service he is here. This is his body, the church. He is the head of the church, his body, the Bible talks about. 
the pillar and the ground are the truth. God is here every time. When you walk in on this on this property, this is his. And we get up and sing and we don't give it our best. We offer our offering and we do our best to break it down to preacher, is there a way we can tear apart a penny? Because really the offering is only like half a penny. I don't know how to do that. You know what I say? Put the whole dollar in and get over it. What kind of governor, evangelist, preacher, your relatives, what would they do if you were capable of giving better in service to them and they knew you could and you didn't? Think they'd be okay with that? No, they wouldn't be okay with that. But somehow we think God should. God's not going to be. They have to accept it. How would they feel? Would they feel dishonored? If anyone in here would give better for a human being on this planet than they would their Savior, should he accept that? Should he accept leftovers? Should he accept the lame and the halt and the diseased? And I don't need that anyway. Give it to the church. When Brother Yoder used to be here, people used to come by and drop off all kinds of stuff. They drop off a pitchfork with one fork on it. All you got to do is weld on two other pieces. That's what people give. They would bring over a lawnmower that it was, I mean, there's oil seeping out everywhere. Well, you know, with a little work, it would work again. Then why didn't you do it? You would offer things like that to human. What in the world would you offer to God? He deserves our best, and that's what we ought to be doing. What some are offering to Almighty God, we wouldn't offer to a relative that showed up at church. Number three, if there's nothing in it for you to personally gain, do you stop offering yourself? God freely gave us all things. You used to freely give in return happy about it because you were not the focus in your life. When God was honored in your life above everybody and everything else, you never considered you and what that may mean to you. You just wanted to serve the Lord. You just wanted to give yourself to God. Boy, would you go at it too. I mean, you give it your very, very best. Now, when pledges are taken up, you give a smaller amount than you used to, though you make more. Your, your lips are getting real tight. When you had extra time, you volunteered that time to help God's work, not really even considering it. You may have to make up your work later on. You just want to be in on everything, be a part of everything. Now it's not that way. Why? Should God accept the leftover time you have? Should God accept what you have and don't need right now? I'll give that to him. Are you offering him a one-fork pitchfork? Are you offering him a lawnmower where oil is seeping out everywhere and it will not crank over at all? Well, at least it's better than nothing. No, it is nothing. And should God accept that at our hands? When you were in love with your Savior, 
when you realized what he did for you, when you were nothing but a sinner saved by grace, you never wondered what was in it for you. You never thought about it that way. You never wondered what you're going to get out of, how it's going to bless your family. What does that mean as far as a position? You never thought like that. You just couldn't believe you were used. What happened? What happened to those kinds of days? I almost feel guilty asking some people anymore to help in the ministry. Because you look at me, or sometimes you even ask me, so what do we get if we show up? So guess what I do? I don't ask somebody anymore. We've got some things to learn and to grow up in. I'm not upset with you. It's just a fact. You have some things you need to learn. Preacher, when am I going to be compensated for the time I put in on Saturday? This is not the job you have out there. This is not a union company. You're not next in line because you've been here longer than everybody else. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. No, I'm not sorry. I'm glad it doesn't work that way. I'm not for unions. When you do volunteer, are you constantly thinking of the money you could be making had you not volunteered? If there's food involved or gifts or rewards of some kind, is that what's on your mind that made you decide whether to volunteer or show up? Do you know our crowd swells when we have food? What does that mean? Doing it for Jesus. You used to lend your car. Remember that? I remember one day I was going down to Peg Avenue past Trebu, and there's a couple of apartment complexes back there. Years and years ago, I used to go to go soul winning all the time. I had a 97 Buick, uh, no, Pontiac, and with bucket seats and one seat in the back. I had 20-some kids in there at one point. So what about seat belts? I had them sitting on where, where the select shift was. I had two or three on the floor, two or three more on that seat alone. I had the rest of them in the back seat. They were hanging, and I said, now look, if we see a policeman, you all got to duck. <laughs> okay, preacher, that's what we're going to do. Well, we had a great time. Remember when you used to use your car to pick people up? I was talking to Brother Laurel. Brother Laurel just got a newer car. I'm very happy for he and Abigail. And, uh, and he told me, he just kept saying this, preacher, uh, now we can pick up more people for church. now we had a hard time getting them in our car but now we'll be able to get more people to church and my heart just swelled I thought what a guy doesn't he have enough to do now you, you have this bus but if they can't make it I'll go back and pick them up in my car do you remember back when we first got started before we had a bus most of our people go out and pick people up in cars you know why that's all we had and if that's a way to get you to church that's what we're going to do to get you to church when you do volunteer, what do, what do you think about? What goes through your mind? But now you hold back. You see what others are going to do first. Well, preacher, I'd love to help. What's everybody else doing, by the way? You know what I really want to say? I, I don't. Here's what I want to say. None of your business. Why don't you just do what God wants you to do? Or what your preacher asks you to be a part of. Should God accept this? Number five. I only have 30 of these, so we're moving right along. The service you do give, is it done out of weariness? 
I threatened them tonight. I said, look, I, I feel pressure because by the time we get through all of this introduction to service, I feel as though you look at me going, okay, preacher, you got 12 minutes. That's like starting a war and ending it in 12 minutes. That's not going to happen. But I feel pressure. And, and then the staff, of course, they're looking for raises and stuff. But they'll say things like, preacher, don't worry about it. Just preach. So that's what I'm doing. You didn't come in to leave, did you? Did you come in to go to get out? Did you come here to put in a, an appearance and go back home? Right, what, are you missing a football game or something here? I mean, really, is that more important than the Lord? Did we not come here to worship the Lord, to hear about Him, to figure out why He's talking to us, what we need to... Is this not what we're here for? Should we not give Him our full attention when we show up to church? God, this is His house. This is His Word. I'm God's man. You're God's children. Should we not be giving our best attention? And when it's time to sing, let's just beller it out. What a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, preacher, I'm just not used to singing that way. I normally sing like professional singer. I'm going to save my voice. I hate whisper singing. Sounds faggish to me, especially when a guy does it. Sound like a queer. That's what it sounds like to me. If I had a boy, and when he talks, it's not like that. I'd slap him every day until he stopped. Well, maybe God God didn't make him that way. That's why you never sent him to public school. I remember when I first got saved, I started singing right away and enjoyed, enjoyed it all the time. I was in a quartet right away, sang in choir right, right off the bat. Just thoroughly enjoyed myself. Anything he wanted me to do. We were actually outside and a bunch of us were playing football, a bunch of teenagers and myself. I was 20 years old and I saw the older men building a sidewalk, a concrete sidewalk. And I kept watching them. I finally went over and I said, y'all need some help. Am I, am I allowed to help? I thought they were going to have a heart attack. Uh, sure. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? I just wanted to be a part. Guess what happened? The rest of the teenagers we were playing with? Yeah, we can help too. Maybe what you need to do is lead and show people, amen, preacher. I know it's not you because your wife will slap your elbow. You're real good every time you open your mouth. Right? So all I got to do is talk about women and you go like, amen. You know we don't allow that in my house, my house. Right? Just to be a part of anything that was of almighty God. What a privilege. See, I haven't forgotten. I still remember this. I remember being allowed to sing. I remember somebody asked me, would you mind doing this? I thought, I can't believe it. I was a drug addict and you're asking me to do something for God. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll do it. Why wouldn't you want to do it? I don't understand people not wanting to live here. No, you can't, but I'm, I'm saying, you know what I mean. All your time here. I was talking to uh, some people the other day concerning our finances and stuff. And he said, so what, what all do you do? I said, well, about 90, 95% of my time is spent between two places. I don't like shopping. My wife broke me of that. All you got to do. <coughs> and I like to eat, but I hate to go grocery shopping. She likes me to go grocery shopping. 
because I don't look at prices. I want that, and I'll take that, and I want three of those. And I just, She goes, honey, did you pay attention to the prices here? No, that's what I wanted. I'm getting it. Not her. If there's 45 cans of beans, she'll look through every one of them to see if maybe they mislabeled one of them. She went to some, some what's the place up north you go to? Yeah. She goes up there, and she'll spend six hours walking from place to place to place. And she'll come back home with a little bag. <laughs> six hours? And you come back with this? That's all you got? Honey, I was shopping. And you can't figure out why a man really doesn't like going shopping with you. I need tires. I know where to get them. I know how much they cost. That's what I want. We're done. But no, woman's not that way. No, no, no. Let's look at all the dresses. Right? And you just keep going. And here the old boy standing off to the side going, have you found anything? No, just looking. There's 16 more stores, though, I want to go to. I don't believe this. You put in all that work. What about the Lord? Is he not worth that kind of effort? Is he not worth your all? Is he not worth your time? Some have fallen out of love with the Lord and into love of ourselves. What about me? What am I getting? I don't have time. I don't have that kind of money. I can't help this time. I can't show up then. And if you're not careful, you keep cutting the Lord off, giving more and more time to yourself and less and less time to him. And one of these days you're going to find out that this whole thing is getting a little contemptible for you. And I'm just asking you, should the Lord accept this from us? What once was the main event in our life has become a sideshow of little interest. We even sat in church like, somebody look at their watch I would let them know that's 15 more minutes and then they would laugh like yeah he's kidding no I wasn't kidding we look for every excuse not to fully give ourselves in service of the Lord is that you think about that we murmur we complain we carry on with a bad attitude because we no longer like doing what at one time we Back to verse number 13. I'm almost done. Verse 13. And you say also, behold, what a weirdness. Coming to church is worth that, right? Oh, that's right. It's church tonight. I forgot. Really? To me it was, finally, church is here. I can get out of the world. What happened to us? You didn't used to be that way. They didn't used to be that way. When God first delivered them and told them how to worship him and what to offer, I mean, they would stand all day long and make sure everything was done exactly right. Now they're offering the Lord whatever's left over, things that are lame, things that are sick, things that other people would not even accept. God ought to be satisfied. What do you mean we, we, we don't love you? What are you talking about? That's what he's talking about. In verse number 13, and you say, Behold, what a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it. You know, when you get a bad attitude and you want everybody to recognize that, 
I will tell you one person I know recognizes it. That's the Holy Ghost of God. So you don't give yourself as though nobody knows this but you. He lives inside you. Preacher, I just can't make it. Oh, 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 oh. he lives inside you. Well, you know, if I tell the preacher, well, I'm kind of sick, you better quit lying. That phrase in itself is covering a multitude of sins in many Christians' lives. I just don't feel well. Well, I wouldn't either if you just got through punching your husband. But you're making somebody, you're deceiving somebody into thinking you're, you're ill. And that's not true, and you know it. Miss Bell, don't laugh out loud, please. Thank you. You brought that which is torn and that which is lame and that which is sick. You did bring an offering. You sure did, just like they did. When you first began to sing and usher, do you remember? You got, yeah, preacher, I'll usher. How do, you, how do I go about this? Now you don't fasten your jacket. You show up late. You got you got the buttons in the wrong holes. Your tie's not tied like it should be. That's not the way you were. Do I look good? Okay, it's a nice looking color on me, don't you think so? Purple, really? Or red, maroon, whatever it is. But you could, honey. They're asking me to take up the offering. Can you believe that? Me? And that's like it. Yeah, if you can't get anybody else, I guess I can help you. I dare say some of you don't wear a tie because you don't want to do any more embarrassing. Now, that would be my take. And don't worry about it because we won't choose you. If I got to go around and take it all up by myself, I will just like that. I wonder if we get more money that way. You offer your very best to God in all you did when you first got saved. And God blessed you accordingly. Remember that? Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. It's more blessed to give uh, to give than, than to receive. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. The reason you don't like the service anymore. That you give to the Lord is because you are receiving back in blessings what you've been offering. Nothing that's really any good. Well, at least I'm in church. Oh, you're doing God a favor. At least I'm in church. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. I don't have to preach. I get to preach. I don't have to rejoice no matter how you look. I'm going to just to rub it in. I like doing that to people. I really do. I probably shouldn't do tell you stuff like this. But when you're pouting and I know it, you're not just having a bad. You want everybody to know that you're pouting. Do you know what I do? I go out this door, go right to my office. I've been wanting to talk to the preacher. I don't want to talk to you. Why in the world won't talk to my pouting all the time? After all, God, okay, look, I'm not hardened in heart. After all God's done for you, it. Yeah. 
the reason you don't like the service you give for the Lord anymore is because you are receiving back in blessings what you offered to God in your service. Get the most out of it. Take it with you. When you leave here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're not in church. What you're getting, you what, what you put in is what you're going to get out. That's what you take with you. If you don't start putting in, pretty soon you're going to say to yourself, ah, nothing really happens. Nothing's really going on. That's ah, the same old thing. It's contemptible. It doesn't mean anything anymore. When you were given your all, you loved it. You loved it. I still remember to this day Miss Vicki and her husband. Back there in that corner during Faith Harbor Week, can you imagine Miss Vicky doing this? Do you still remember being with her? During preaching, it may have been Brother Tony Hudson. I have no idea. Probably some wild man like that. And here's this reserved, refined lady standing on a chair, waving her Bible back and forth and screaming at her husband. But she was screaming. <laughs> I looked back at her and thought, I don't believe this. Look at that lady back here in the corner. She was having the time of her life. What happened? I have one more. Let me close with this. You offer up excuses to the great king as to what you're able to give like he doesn't know. That you have a good sheep in your flock, but you gave him that one. That you had better grain, but you gave him that which was mildewed, and that really it didn't matter. You could do without it. By the way, if you could do without it, he could do without it. When it comes to offering, if you can give it away and it doesn't make anything to you, doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to him. He's not after your money, he's after you. And if you don't give something that has value, that's what David meant when he said, I will not offer to God that which does not cost me anything. He said, if it costs me, that means something to God. Why do we act as though we're just working for some boss down on the job and he doesn't know whether we mean it or not? God knows. God knows, my dear friend. He knows whether we mean it or not. We're not deceiving him. He knows it. God said, you're trying to deceive me. You have better than that in your flock and you're acting as though you don't. God Almighty, he knows. He knows. Sitting here right now, he knows where your heart is. And even now, you're going like this. When is this guy going to stop? Do you know they used to read the law of Moses from morning till evening and everybody stood? Do you know in the storefront, we sat on metal chairs and I preached for an hour and a half almost every service. You're talking about being numb to the word of God. You say, I can't give more, yet you buy stuff for you. You say, I cannot teach a Sunday school or, 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 or school anymore because of the pressure, yet you get a job out in the world. You say, I cannot fulfill my obligations to God in church on Sunday because of sickness and family problems and I'm just worn out. Yet early on Monday morning, it's rise and shine, let's go make some money. But God doesn't know that, does he? Should God accept this? just because we offered it to him? I say he will. And should we continue? I think perhaps he will do to us what he did to this people and finally say, I don't want what you offered. Here's what I think is going to happen to our church one of these days. 
that's going to be up to me. I think one of these days after the old man dies, that would be me, and you're here, you're going to start going along with some new ideas. Because Christianity is not supposed to be popular. It's supposed to be powerful. The world doesn't like that. So here's what's going to happen. One of these days, somebody's going to say, why don't we change? And you're going to vote for it. Yeah. What we're doing is not working. Right is not determined by whether it works or not. Right is right because it's right. It doesn't seem to be working. That's circumstance. You don't judge truth and right by circumstances. If that's the case, Catholics are doing a great job. They have a huge crowd. But that's not true. I'm just picking on Catholics. I pick on Charismatics, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. I pick on everybody. like, ah, preacher, I won't be there Thursday. Ah, preacher, I won't be there Sunday. Ah, preacher, and you, you're almost, if it, it's almost sound like we're making stuff up now as though, well, God understands. Should God accept that? Your boss doesn't accept it. You know what he says? You'll be here, you lose your job. And you salute. Yes, sir. On Sunday, Thursdays. It's not mandatory. You volunteered. You said, okay giving God one service, you're giving him leftover, and somehow he should accept that from us. Here's what I fear is going to happen to our church. I won't be here. But I think what's going to happen one of these days, the name on that sign is going to change. It won't say Anchor Baptist Church anymore. It'll say something like full gospel, uh, full of Holy Ghost, Baptist, revival, uh, you bring a new healing to the church. Probably run by some Indian somewhere. And you're going to miss this. You're going to miss the laughter and the shouting. You're going to miss the singing and the children, the cleanness, the movement of God's Spirit in this church. And we will have no one to blame but ourselves because of what we've been offering to God. We got used to and said this should be good enough. We didn't start that way. God did not teach us that way. Ladies and gentlemen, if it were me, I would apologize to God and I would fall in love on purpose with him again. When my wife and I were having problems years ago, now you don't think this is possible. Just like falling back in love with the Lord again, yes, it's possible, very possible. We were were on the outs with one another within a week, probably a couple days of getting a divorce. But we got things fixed up last month. We're doing okay now. My wife got saved and told the Lord. I didn't know this at the time. She told him, was very honest. See, some of you are honest, but you stop before you let the Lord work. She told the Lord, I don't love him, but I know I'm supposed to be with him. And you'd stop right there and say, I can't do that. She said, the Bible says with God all things are possible. Is that right? So I can rejoice even though that's not me if that's what God wants. I can give myself freely if that's what God wants. 
whether it's my nature or not. I can amen if God says, you know, there's a chapter in the Bible after every verse that says amen. After every verse says amen. It says, makes another statement, amen. Makes another statement, says amen. Well, that's just not you. Make it you. Yeah. Or one day you'll sit in church, but this church awful quiet. Well, you're the one that did it. So my wife tells the Lord, Lord, I don't love you. And I know I should. That's what the Bible says. Love George Bell because he's cute. And my wife has to go along with that. So you know what she said? Help me to love him again. That's impossible. If it's impossible, she couldn't have done it. It's also very biblical. Just like the Lord does you a thousand times a week when you cheat on him, when you lie to him, when you deceive him, when you give him things that even a person on this earth would not accept as saying that's good enough. And he still says, he doesn't like it, but he still loves you. He doesn't want you. So here's what I would do. I would tell the Lord, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I had to actually stop and think, man, when did I get saved and what happened? That should never happen. That should never happen. You should not have to stop and go back to some notes somewhere and, and read it all over again. That should never happen. It's not just a new Christian thing. I've gone through all kinds of battles, and I still have excitement about serving the Lord. This is not a put-on. I'm not a cheerleader. This is, this is what I do. This is my life. I would not trade intelligence and knowledge for a relationship with God, and a lot of people coming out of college do that. You can't wait to sit on the platform and stroke your two whiskers. Yeah, I've considered that I've delved into the Word of God deeply and found out that the in Hebrew means the. You can't wait to do that. Not me. I want to be a Toys R Us kid all my life. I want to have fun in the Lord. I want to serve Him. I want to rejoice. I want to sing to the top of my lungs. I want to irritate people for God. That's fun. No way. Y'all do that. Do you remember when you first came? I remember when you came here. I remember when you came here. Weavers came here, and he forced his family to come here. That's our new church, and you're going there. She said, no, we're not. Oh, yes, we are. I heard him. He's screaming at her and yelling and tearing on her. I'm kidding, I think. And But Deborah, oh, my goodness. That changed that whole girl's life. Changed your life, too. How dare we slip back in Father, thank you.